Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Reverse mortgages were one of the growth areas lenders were exploring this year as refi volume fell off so sharply. But the shockwave from rising rates has started to affect this part of the mortgage industry as well. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm talking to Chris Clow, editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily, to update us on all that's happening. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me back, Sarah. It's good to uh, good to be with you. Ah, I always love talking to you. And I just think it's so interesting, all the things that are happening. We've got this macroeconomic environment and how it affects the reverse business is a little bit different than how it affects the forward mortgage business. So it's always fascinating to talk to you and kind of find out what it, what are the shockwaves that you guys are feeling? Yeah, it's it's only just starting to come into greater view, I think, just because the uh, the the tendency for the economy to affect the reverse business is far more dependent on home price appreciation than it is anything else. But we are starting to see some rate consequences. Um, for instance, I published a story yesterday. I got a tip about how certain proprietary products among some of the major reverse mortgage lenders were having rapid changes that were introduced to them. Um, and they were instituted very rapidly and a couple of the products were even, uh, suspended from new applications, uh, over the weekend. So I had to jump on that pretty quickly in order to determine exactly what was going on. But it looks like among three of the major lenders, their proprietary product offerings, uh, were having to respond to some of these macroeconomic difficulties that are starting to materialize more visibly in the broader mortgage market, which is affecting investor confidence. And um, and it's also uh, instituting some of these actions, including the changes to rates and uh, loan to value ratios. So I had one lender that I spoke to, a representative of a lender, the, the head of the reverse mortgage division at PRMI, uh, when I was seeking input, he said that there were a couple of days early in the week where no proprietary reverse mortgage products were available. And um, that is pretty unusual. But we also have seen in the past, a couple of years ago now, with the onset of the pandemic, that proprietary reverse mortgage products seem to be very prone to economic volatility. And we've seen lenders introduce some of these actions before. It makes sense, right? Because uh, for those, you're looking for private investors, correct? Yes. Uh, So proprietary reverse mortgages, um, they've kind of been a part of the industry for a while, but they really kind of had a resurgence starting in around 2018 when uh, Finance of America reverse uh, introduced an an entire products or what developed into a product suite called HomeSafe, which is their their proprietary private label reverse mortgage. And what that means is that these are products that don't have any sponsorship from FHA. I know that there's a a higher degree of commonality for products like that on the forward side, but in the reverse side, at last count, uh, upwards of 85 to 90% of all of the reverse mortgage volume is done through the FHA sponsored home equity conversion mortgage program. 
program. That is not the case in in terms of the reverse mortgage business. I think lenders would certainly like to see uh, proprietary products take uh, a greater hold of the business overall. But by and large, um, the FHA-backed guarantee that provides lender insurance from the mutual mortgage insurance fund is still something that uh, that a lot of lenders um, they, they find value in, and honestly, two customers tend to find value in it too when it comes with the FHA sort of label of approval. But um, the proprietary product landscape, I think over the past couple of years took a little bit of a step back uh, just because the volume boom that the reverse mortgage industry has seen since the beginning of the pandemic really favored Heckam to Heckam refinances. Uh, we've talked about that before. And now we're starting to see that begin to taper off. But uh, the proprietary product landscape now seems to be favoring um, more of the quote unquote jumbo value. So a lot of these products tend to have loan limits of up to $4 million. Um, and the Heckam lending limit is just under a million. It's like 970,800 for 2022. Um, but with these changes now, we're starting to move away from proprietary products that can serve typical Heckam customers. Uh, and they're starting to favor more of the, the higher value homes and likely more affluent customers as a result. But that's just what the early indications are. Things could change, of course. And I actually wrote another story this week about how uh, one of the big themes coming out of the Nermala Western Regional Meeting that I attended in California was how lenders are starting to see more proprietary product activity in general. Uh, volumes up significantly. They don't share those numbers with me because they're a tantamount to state secrets, I guess. <laughs> but um, but we were starting to see greater penetration of proprietary products, at least from the lender's perspective. And whether or not that's going to continue, given the, the recent developments, remains to be seen. Yeah, it feels like, ah, oh, they were just getting some, some uh, momentum and then it's like, higher rates, you know, good luck. <laughs> just... You know, in inflation in general, right, you're taking a, a bite out of people's ability to do a lot of different things and um, affecting that. So let's talk about a little bit about that macro environment for reverse. So when, when I've had you on the last couple of months, we've talked about the volume and really reverse volume was still going really strong. Even when we saw the earlier indications in the forward side, reverse uh, was still strong in the first quarter. And um, but but you were looking for those um, second, you know, you were looking for for it to start hitting. Tell us what you're seeing now. Yeah, so um, reverse data metrics are a little bit unusual just because, yeah, the, the, the raw volume data does come out at the beginning of each month for the prior month. But regular breakdowns of like the division between wholesale and retail, for instance, usually take a, a while longer to, to come into view. And um, so I uh, seized on a report that was published by Reverse Market Insight where they broke out the volume tracks between the wholesale and retail channels of the business. So April's volume uh, – well, let me go back a little bit further. So March volume was historic. Uh, we hadn't seen the the levels of uh, volume like that that we had seen in March for over a decade at that point. And this is well over 6,000 units, close to 7,000 uh, in, in a single month. And th that probably sounds kind of small for, for people who are more uh, dialed into the forward side, but that's historic for reverse. Since sure. I have been in the chair at RMD, so to speak, 
I have never seen volume coming close to that. So that's very historic just in terms of the the health of the overall industry. It started to trend down a little bit, uh, but it was still historically high in March. And then in April, started to trend down a little bit more. And then in May, a little bit more. So uh, we might have just like hit a huge high in March before things started to, to trend down. I'll be really interested to see what the June data uh, will present for the industry, probably in the first week of July, right before everybody breaks for Independence Day. But um, it looks like volume is beginning to trend down again. And that could be due to a number of factors. You know, home prices are starting to soften. Um, they have not gone down in a lot of markets, but they have certainly not accelerated as quickly as they were, say, a year ago. Uh, and that's what the reverse mortgage industry is likely going to be most sensitive to. Um, the April data that broke out between wholesale and retail showed that it was the whole, the retail side that led the drop. Uh, retail, I think, dropped by uh, between 5 and 6%, and wholesale was much lower at around 2%. Um, it's still single digits. I don't think that anybody's raising any alarms just yet. But the fact that volume is trending down is probably a little bit concerning, even if it did hit a historic high earlier this year. So I think the industry is kind of taking a wait and see approach. Um, and from what I can gather, business prospects are still reasonably good. And if the pandemic proved anything, it's that the viability of a reverse mortgage could increase as economic volatility increases. Um, but this is also a different kind of economic volatility that than we had seen at the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, I, I don't think anybody is concerned about re- revisiting too much of the, the same occurrences from the financial crisis back in 08, 09. But um, there, there might be some cracks starting to show. It remains to be seen. Really appreciate that update. So uh, pardon my ignorance on reverse mortgages, but I do have a question that's like, I would think that, you know, you, you reference the fact that the equity that people have in their homes or, or let's say home values, right, are going to affect a reverse mortgage more than a, a forward mortgage because a forward mortgage is like, hey, here's, here's your value at this date at this time, right? Like uh, an appraiser came out. This is what we valued your home at. That's what you're borrowing against. But because in, in the reverse space, it's, it's the homeowner borrowing against, you know, what it is and, how does that work going forward? Like, so, so for instance, right now, if you if you get a reverse mortgage and your house is worth, you know, a million dollars, and you know, a year or two from now, it's it's kind of calmed down and it's more in the nine hundred thousand space or eight fifty or something like that. Whereas in a in a uh, forward mortgage, well, I mean, you bought it at that price, whatever. But in this one, your 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 equity is like you're getting paid from that, right? So so how does that work? Yeah, so this is where the non-recourse feature of the loan comes through. And this is why I think consumers have a generally higher level of confidence in the FHA-backed product as opposed to, to proprietary products. Um, granted, proprietary products in, in most cases are modeled off of the features of the HECM and they have their own non-recourse feature. But what a non-recourse loan basically means is that if the loan goes underwater, if the amount owed exceeds the value of the home, then 
then it's uh, the FHA insurance that makes up the difference. So that's why we saw at the end of last year when FHA issued its annual report to Congress that the Heckam Book of Business inside the Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund hit positive territory for the first time since 2015. It was because of home price appreciation. So Mm -hmm. you weren't having nearly as many claims on the MMI fund that were uh, taking a hit. Uh, in comparison to to years past. And uh, there have been kind of debates at the political level and at the policy level about whether or not the Heckam program should be tied to the MMI fund. But last year, it did it a favor. In fact, the reverse mortgage fund probably outperformed the forward mortgage fund inside the MMI uh, book of business. So it's um, it, the, the FHA insurance makes all the difference and borrowers are not on the hook for uh, for a loan value that is higher than their home value. If they have to accelerate the loan, whether because the borrower passes away or because they decide to leave, then um, they cannot owe more than whatever the value of the home is at the time that they leave uh, because FHA insurance will make up a, the difference for the lender. So when the borrower actually has to settle the loan balance, they can do so out of the, the proceeds of the home sale and call it good. Wow, that is, that is a, a big difference. And also, um, understandably, to our conversation earlier, why those proprietary products that don't have that guarantee might be might be a little bit, you know, why they're pausing on some of that. Well, a lot of them do, uh, but they're just sourced differently and the lender takes on more risk, you know, since they don't have a government guarantee attached. But um, I think that the non-recourse feature has become such an integral part of uh, of the Heckam quote unquote brand, even though it's not really a brand, it's a government program. But um, the, I think that just in terms of getting the word out about what reverse mortgages are available to people, the Heckam just has more general recognition. Um, but like we were kind of talking about earlier, the, uh, the rise of proprietary products to potentially serve the Heckam demographic was something that some people were starting to look at just because there's a potential for a lower upfront cost, because there is a perception out there that getting into a reverse mortgage is expensive, largely because of the, uh, the upfront mortgage insurance premium. And that's, that tends to be lower on a proprietary product. Uh, however, People tend to have a little bit more peace of mind for themselves when it comes to FHA-backed programs, and uh, that's absolutely true of the reverse mortgage industry as well. We will be continuing to look at this, and um, I think you mentioned it earlier, but you know, so much of the equity that um, that actually people in, in reverse mortgages and, and older Americans have so much more equity in their homes, which totally makes sense. If you've owned it longer, you've probably paid off more. Um, and many of them are, you know, taking advantage, take advantage in coastal areas, right? Um, they, they've owned that home for a really long time. So that's not really a surprise, but it will be interesting to see as we go forward, you know, how is that equity being hit? Yeah, you know, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I wrote a story pretty recently about what the levels of uh, of senior held home equity were, because uh, there was a report that uh, was published by the Fed 
that was reported on by the Wall Street Journal that was saying that collective home equity in the United States has hit $27.8 trillion, a huge figure, of course. But there are also regular quarterly reports that come out from the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association uh, in conjunction with a data analytics firm called RiskSpan that uh, pegged at, at Q, uh, Q4 2021, it pegged total senior held home equity. So homeowners age 62 and older. Uh, at $10.6 trillion, which is nearly 40% of the total. So uh, that I think that helps to contextualize just how much uh, room there is for this industry to potentially grow. Granted, I think any reverse mortgage professional would tell you that it's not necessarily a loan product that works for everyone. But when you consider that uh, that uh, the industry's uh, penetration rate is hovering at like around 2.2 percent. Uh, and it's been that way pretty consistently for most of the past 12 or 13 years. Uh, and then you realize how much share of equity that seniors really have across the country. That's a lot of people that have the potential to at least tap into a reverse mortgage in order to, to tap that equity stream and to turn it into, uh, into, into cash flow. Considering that product penetration is generally low. I don't think that's necessarily the takeaway of, um, of the, the item that seniors hold nearly 40% of all of the equity in the United States. I think it's just like, wow, the roof is a lot higher than people might expect for this specific industry. Uh, and we'll have to see over the next uh, couple of months and certainly the next couple of years if, uh, if that improves among the senior population. Fascinating to think about. And I think that it's it's the thing that makes mortgage so interesting to people in the forward space, too, is like to understand the dynamics and how sometimes they work differently than than or at least they're adapting differently than than people on the on the forward side. So and we've seen a lot of interest in reverse this year. I mean, from typically forward lenders, from people who have reverse products who are um, expanding, you know, what they're offering or or ramping up or whatever. Now we'll see kind of what that looks like going forward. But it's still a really interesting option because of the home equity. And even if even if prices drop, I mean, we're up 30% year over year in some markets, and they were up that was up 20% year over year from the year before. So like we're way, way up. You think about in Austin, you think about many places in the country where, I mean, home equity could, could, I mean, home prices could fall for a while and we're still way, way up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that a lot of reverse mortgage professionals are trying to lead with that um, just because home equity is an option that is generally not uh, entertained the same way that other quote unquote more mainstream, uh, or lending options are, you know, like people who, people who tap their home equity, they might look at something like a cash out refinance far more commonly than they'll look at a reverse mortgage. Um, and that might not always be the best call. A home equity line of credit also has generally more popularity, among uh, not just seniors, there's no age requirement on a HELOC, but with a HELOC too, it can be suspended by the lending institution. And that's not the case on a reverse mortgage. You know, if you get a reverse mortgage with a standing line of credit, that's not something that can be taken away from you because it is, it's backed by the, the value of your home. 
So uh, there's a lot of room, I think, that the industry sees to at least introduce the idea of a reverse mortgage to more people. And it's certainly been a major effort of a lot of the major lending institutions over the past several years. If there's any common refrain that I hear about what the industry needs to improve or what the industry needs to expand in order to, uh, to improve its standing among potential borrowers, it is product education. In one respect, it's kind of strange just because they seem to say that all the time and, you know, how much of the needle has moved. But they've also, I think, just really made some smart decisions in terms of the investments that they're making uh, in connecting with uh, with a wider swath of borrowers. There's no one size fits all solution and everybody is going to make their own individual judgment about the kinds of loan products that they might want to explore if they even are open to the idea of a debt-based solution for whatever issue they may have, whether it's like uh, needing to shore up some additional cash, or even if it's just an investment, you know, reverse mortgages have increased in popularity uh, moderately, but it's still there as an investment instrument. So, uh, you know, education is still a major priority of the business. And um, we'll have to see how all of those things combine over the next several months, because, you know, if volume continues to trend down, that could create a problem for the industry overall. But uh, just based on individual conversations that I've had with some pretty high level people in the industry, like at, at the C level for top 10 lenders, they're all still very confident in uh, in what this product could provide to seniors who might be feeling more of a pinch from things like inflation or, you know, if they – this is the summer travel season, right? If they want to try and fill up the gas tank on their RV, then that's going to be a pretty big hit. And uh, they – granted, you know, using reverse mortgage proceeds just for those kinds of things isn't always recommended. But <laughs> that might be one of the ways that, uh, that, that such a product can help if that's something that they really want to do, you know, and maximize their – their retirement lifestyle. So there are a lot of dynamics here that to, to keep track of. It's certainly a full-time job running RMD just because there are so many of the dynamics that come up. But, um, you know, it's fascinating to see how things could play out over the next couple of months. I think that inflation conversation is so interesting, especially if it continues to go on at this pace. It is, it is really hitting people in the pocketbooks. And when you think about seniors who have, you know, fixed incomes, then you can understand how that's even uh, more impactful because it's things like groceries and gas, right? So it's, it's not just vacations. It's just very basic things. So keep an eye on that. Um, we know that some on, on the, on the forward side on housingwire.com on real trends, we've been talking about some of the layoffs, um, at mortgage companies, at real estate brokerages, at fintech firms. What does it look like for the reverse space? Yeah. So, um, housing wire is actually reported on some of the layoffs that have taken place, uh, among larger lenders that are active in the reverse space. Fairway, for instance, comes to mind. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if anything has come through yet uh, for Finance of America Mortgage, but Finance of America is going through a period of change just because of the retire- the impending retirement of Patty Cook. Uh, and I got some perspective from the Finance of America Reverse President about that pretty recently. But just in terms of the layoffs, um, both uh, James Kleiman and uh, Flavia Ferlan Nunez reported about layoffs that took place at AAG. They reported that on RMD. Um, there was not any indication about how 
widespread those layoffs are. AAG just confirmed for us that they took place um, amid a, a corporate reorganization. Uh, and then we also broke a story relatively recently on RMD about how the president of Open Mortgage, who was appointed at the beginning of the year, or took, who began his duties at the beginning of the year, has exited uh, that company. And Open has also instituted a pretty small number, 14 layoffs, but still layoffs nonetheless. But they were reserved for the forward operations side. But that's something that I heard straight from the Open Mortgage CEO, Scott Gordon. So I haven't heard anything yet about more widespread layoffs. That doesn't mean that they're not taking place. But um, I'm, I'm uh, always listening for what people are telling me. And um, if they start to become a more prominent feature of the reverse mortgage industry over the next couple of months, then I will certainly be reporting about it on RMD. Well, we know that the macroeconomic factors affect everybody. We're seeing it across the board. And so interesting to see that it has come to reverse, um, maybe on a smaller scale, but um, very impactful nonetheless, because it's a smaller part of the industry, right? Yeah, yeah, much smaller. Um, but, you know, even if it is a, a comparatively smaller uh, part of the overall mortgage business, there, uh, I think one of the things that reverse has as an advantage is that, uh, you know, you talk to any real reverse mortgage professional or someone who's been in the business for a while, a lot of them are very mission driven. You know, if seniors come to them saying, look, I, 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 I have to find some way to make ends meet. And the only way that I'm seeing my wealth go up at the moment is through my home equity, then a reverse mortgage could potentially provide a really important solution to, to a situated senior in that way. Like I said, I think any reverse mortgage professional worth their salt will tell you that it's not a product that works for everyone, but it does work for some people. And that's really the conversation that the industry has been trying to have with people for a long time is just getting into the door of consideration. Even if it's not something that is actively initiated by a borrower, entering the conversation is a really important first step that the industry wants to take. And uh, that's starting to become more of a reality, but there's still a long way to go. Uh, and the industry will be the first group of people to tell you that. So uh, whether or not this period of economic difficulty, since it is hitting the mortgage industry at large so hard, uh, if that's a new opportunity for reverse, remains to be seen. But it should be pretty fascinating to watch unfold. And and hopefully uh, it'll turn out positively for, for everyone involved, for borrower and industry alike. Absolutely. That's our hope. And you have a front row seat at Reverse Mortgage Daily. So I'll encourage our listeners, if you um, are interested in hearing more, Chris is doing a great job every day covering the industry, whether that's um, the boom times, the uh, the regulatory challenges, the the layoffs, whatever it might be, um, you can find it all on Reverse Mortgage Daily. And Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Sarah. Always a pleasure. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. 
With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.